0: Good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I am Felicia King. On today's show, I am going to tell you about how to avoid cybersecurity insurance fraud. Uh, Yes, obviously, if you are deemed as having committed fraud on cybersecurity insurance, then your claim will be denied. And quite likely, you will be uninsurable in the future, by said insurance company. And, of course, you know, they all like to talk to each other and that uh, anytime you look at one of these cybersecurity risk assessment questionnaires or any sort of insurance application, they will ask you lovely things such as, have you been denied before a policy? And... <laughs> Do you have, you know, have there been circumstances where you've been sued or, you know, you've had a cybersecurity incident where the um, the claim was denied, right? You know, I mean, all of these these things that are in there and then you've got to come forward with those pieces of information and it will ultimately end up being hideously expensive if you find yourself to be insurable at all. So the goal of this show today is to educate you on cybersecurity insurance fraud and how to avoid it. All right, so let's get started. There's a lot to unpack here. A lot of it is about the gap that exists between these forms that keep coming out by your bank, your insurance company, your largest customers, a supply chain, whatever it happens to be and then how you respond to those things. And I see a lot of organizations trying to do this on their own. <clears throat> and they are failing in that effort. In a lot of cases they're failing in that effort because they have no idea what the heck these questions even mean. Let's just get into some specifics. So. Let's just say somebody, uh, you've got a cybersecurity risk assessment questionnaire that says, I'm just going to call it the crack, by the way, the cybersecurity risk assessment questionnaire, uh, that on the crack it says, for example, do you have multi-factor authentication enabled on all systems that are utilized to access <laughs> sensitive information? Okay, well, number one, you would actually have to have an inventory of every place that all of your staff authenticate into. Do you have that? My guess is no, you don't. You don't. Not unless you have a full-fledged, you know, better-than-password management solution, something more like um, a more mature identity and access management solution. Although it is possible to do an inventory like that (laughs) using certain password management solutions. Okay, so number one, you have to have an inventory of it, right? Number two, you have to define what the term system actually means. So are they asking for all systems that people authenticate into? And then do we have MFA on those? Or are they asking about all systems that people authenticate into that access sensitive information. Oh my goodness, well now we have to define what the heck sensitive information is. <laughs> so you, my point here is you cannot just say yes to this answer. You have to define your terms. You basically need to produce a substantially rich report that is literally the response to the crack. So the crack is not just, yes, we're going to do yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Now eh, wrong. <laughs> and in fact, that is not satisfactory when you're talking about what your supply chain uh, vendors are asking for. Banks are asking for this. A lot of... The, your business partners are asking for these things now where they will say, look, you know, if you want to keep doing business with us, you have to prove to us that you actually have effective, you actually have like a cybersecurity framework. All right, well, well my okay, my goodness, now we have to actually define what is a cybersecurity framework. <laughs> I mean, I find this whole thing really funny and disturbing simultaneously because of the fact that it, you know, all of these organizations are trying to manage risk and supply chain risk. <sighs> they're trying to assess organizational risk so that they can you know stuff it in some actuarial table and find out, you know or let I mean on the bank side, they're even looking at, are you going to be a good lending risk? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, in the case of, I heard that if an insurance <laughs> agency is one that is a, uh, an agent for Allstate, Allstate is going to scan the computer systems that are utilized to access the Allstate resources and that those systems' access will be denied if those systems have any offending software on there. Now I'm not going to waste your time on what is offending software. The fact that the thing I will ta- say is that the offending software term <laughs> is, you know, whatever they deem as offending. And the sad part about it is that their definition of offending software was not even complete, not even in the remotest sense. <laughs> so let's get back to the whole multi-factor authentication thing. Let's just say for example you have a password management system so you actually have an inventory of all of the passwords. Then you have defined what is a system. Okay? You have defined where data is stored. All right? So you've now working on your inventory. My goodness, well that better be some reports and you better have a an inventory maintenance framework for maintaining that information. Okay. Now then, you have to take it to the next step. You can't be doing some sort of a silly manual audit and say, oh yeah, we looked, (coughs) and we've got multi-factor authentication enabled on these particular systems. Well, no, sorry, not good enough. Where's your IS policy that is the onboarding for staff to gain access to systems and how are you, what are you doing in that IS policy to enforce MFA and enforce the enrollment in MFA? Okay, you better have that IS policy. Then you better have technical controls in place that enforce MFA on those accounts. Then You better have a system to produce a report at least monthly, you would hope, that shows that MFA is in place on all those accounts. Because here's the thing. If poo hits the fan, the crack, you answered the yes-no question on the crack, do we have MFA on all the systems, blah, 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 and you said yes, the insurance company is going to say, really? Prove it. Prove it. Prove to us that you exercise due care and due diligence. Prove to us that you have the appropriate IS policies that demonstrate that you did this competently. Prove to us that you have a pattern of evidence over time demonstrating that you consistently had MFA enabled on all the systems. So, Here's the crux of the issue. The crux is that you look at this question, you look at these requirements, you look at these requests from your vendors, your customers, your bank, your insurance company, etc. And you're probably not interpreting them correctly. I feel quite confident in making a statement that unless someone is a information security officer with 20 plus years of experience, they are probably not qualified to fill out that kind of a response. And it is because you have to understand the entire workflow. So it's also this workflow of not just, well, let's have security theater here so that we can be insurable, because frankly, I don't understand the point of why do you pay for insurance when there's no possibility of you ever having a payout because you didn't do what was required to have the proof and the security controls in place. Earlier this week, I had a sales call where an organization had reached out and they basically admitted that uh, the owner of the business had sat on the cybersecurity risk assessment questionnaire, also known as the crack, had sat on that for two months, finally given it to the internal IT guy who had been frantically for the last two weeks trying to find a solution to the fact that they have an MFA and it ha- or they have a VPN and there's no MFA on it. Well... Um, Ultimately, the business owner didn't really want to solve the problem because the business owner was like, well, it's just going to be too expensive to solve the problem. And I said, well, there are other ways to solve the problem, which is that you just stop using a VPN. And they weren't into, here's the really sick part about it. They weren't really interested in having a conversation about where real risk comes from. For example, it's nigh on sheer lunacy to allow an unmanaged asset to VPN into your corporate network and then to access resources there. Let's just imagine you've got a home user computer where, you know, they allow kids, their, their kids to play games on that computer, that computer's infected, that computer now VPNs into your corporate network And now you have traversal attacks going on. You know, you as the business, if you don't control that endpoint, you can't control the security on that endpoint. And this isn't just about some sort of fakery, the fakery of putting some baby version of endpoint protection on there, like antivirus. Okay. No, that's fakery. The real solution is you have to have the full cybersecurity kill chain in combination with the Zero Trust Framework and the Meyer Attack Threat Analysis Framework. You've got to be able to know that that machine is secured and hardened before it is allowed to connect. So you see, I don't really have a problem with these banks or the insurance companies getting more stringent in their questions. I think this is a good thing. The challenge that I have is that I think that the entire situation is being so poorly executed that it is opening up a massive amount of organizations to being completely uninsured. I'm not saying that they're uninsurable. Oh, yes, the insurance companies (laughs) will write you a policy. You'll pay a higher premium. There are some things that will cause you to be drop dead uninsurable, but that is a fairly minor component. However, uh, that is only getting worse. Like the ones that I'm seeing is if you don't have MFA on VPN, you're uninsurable. If you don't have MFA on email, you're uninsurable. Okay, so I'm seeing these things. And then here's where I get really irritated is that I will sit, and I'm. this is a drop-dead, straight-up, honest scenario I'm telling you about that I was firsthand a participant in. Okay, this is not even any level of, no levels of hearsay here. Okay, I was on a call with the director of cybersecurity policy at one of the largest international insurance brokerages. Now this gentleman, who was the director of cybersecurity policy for this insurance broker, looked like he was about 26 years old, and when I looked at his job history, because of course he had it out there on LinkedIn, he had been a sales associate and a sales intern. Well first he was a sales intern, then he got, then he was a sales associate. Then he got an MBA. And then they promoted him to be director of cybersecurity liability policy. No point in time in this individual's career had he ever been in charge of actually fixing anything. And this was the person who was supposed to be the advisor to the insured. So, the comp- the organization who was seeking to have <laughs> insurance provided to them through the, through this broker. And this this director of cyber cybersecurity, cyber liability could not keep up with me in this conversation, and I had to keep redirecting him. And and I asked him in one part of the conversation, so help me understand what resources the insurance company has for the insured parties that will help them from a compliance perspective. Oh, well, we have some, you know, some phishing training. Okay. (laughs) What's the periodicity that you require for phishing training? Oh, we require that quarterly. Well, are we talking about phishing testing here or just simply training? Because where's actually the risk coming from? Isn't it phishing that gets through? Do you actually have a thought in your mind that phishing training that isn't attested, meaning there's no report that actually demonstrates that the staff went through training, and there's no system that actually evaluates the efficacy of not only the training, but also of the actual fishing filtering system that should be in place as well. So so this guy had nothing in terms of valuable advice to the insured in order to help them actually close that gap. So this is a travesty. It's an absolute travesty. So to say, okay, well, our requirement is that you have phishing testing. Has that actually reduced any risk, or is that just a check-the-box exercise? And furthermore, if you as the insured on the crack specify that, yes, we have a phishing training program and we do it quarterly, what is your process for actually delivering that to all staff and validating that all staff took it and then producing a report that the insurance company will believe, meaning they're not going to necessarily believe in the validity or accuracy of a report that was just hand put together by your IT people or hand put together by your HR manager. This is why all of that is horse hockey. Unless you're going to actually have these systems in a learning management system, you have to have all these processes in an LMS. You have to have an IS policy that says, new staff onboarded into this system, and then we do this workflow, and it triggers them to receive this phishing training. It also triggers them to receive cybersecurity awareness training. We know whether or not they've taken this training. We know when they've taken that training. We have a system whereby we are able to assess the efficacy of that training for them. Meaning, did they pay attention? Did they absorb it? Were they able to answer questions effectively and utilize, implement this training effectively? in their decision-making processes? Has it actually raised their cybersecurity awareness? How are you supposed to do that if you don't have a system for that? And if you don't have a system for it, how are you supposed to produce a report that you can show the insurance company is associated with an independent, computer system-generated, non-tamperable report that shows that this is actually what happened? I'm stressing this concept because this is literally what you have to do with every single tiny little thing. If we're talking about VPN MFA, you have to describe the system. You have to demonstrate your IS policy. You have to have proof for your technical controls. Yeah. And boy, that proof for your technical controls, you need to have this on an automated, regularized system. That typically ends up getting published into a governance risk management compliance platform, a GRC. But the problem is that outside of enterprise, GRCs are financial unobtainium because not only are they five to six hundred dollars a month, they're also you know, you need to go hire somebody for somewhere between 120 dollars and $150,000 a year in order to drive that GRC and this is their new full-time job. So this basically means anybody with less than 5,000 employees probably cannot afford that type of a solution. So what is the entire SMB market supposed to do here? Well this is a nut that I have cracked over the last two years, but it's only a solution that we can offer to our clients. We have our own mini-GRC. We have our own attestation frameworks. It is incredibly complex. In fact, we have our own cybersecurity risk assessment questionnaire process for clients and prospective clients who wish to engage us for those services. So that if you do have this questionnaire that comes from your bank, it comes from your insurance company. It comes from a customer. We can take your requirements from that particular supply chain vendor of yours. We can put it into our system and we can produce a report. It will also produce gaps. And then we take that into uh, a strategic plan, an engineering plan, and then you get a budget out of it. And the budget then is an engineered validated implementation plan. That's what the budget is. So you actually end up with an implementation plan out of it. And isn't that what it's all about? So none of this is easy and it's a giant elephant. You've got to eat the elephant one bite at a time. Nobody has enough manpower to be able to just do all of this in some sort of a short order. The Quantity of individuals on this planet that have the skill set to do these types of things are in extremely short supply. So, and then there's no there's no real information on how to do it because it's nuanced. It's incredibly nuanced. I can go back to what I said earlier, which is that it's been my experience that I've never seen anyone who has less than 20 years of experience Doing literal hardcore engineering implementation, remediation, fixing that understands all the compliance things and yet has all the leadership and information security officer skills. I've never seen anybody with lesser skill set be able to appropriately lead and navigate and, and drive solutions through a challenge like this. So every organization out there faces this problem right now. You know, it's, I'm seeing it happen in construction companies seeing it happen in the property management business. It's happening in the real estate industry. It's happening anywhere that anyone has risk. And everybody has risk. So the question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to start taking a proactive approach about it? I mean, I I don't know what to tell you if you don't want to take it a, an, a, a proactive approach to it. You know, you can't just run over to any old IT service provider and say, hey, uh, you know, can you give us multi-factor authentication on our VPN in like two weeks? (laughs) I laugh because this was literally something that a company asked us to do. And, you know, they weren't a client. We had no knowledge of their environment. (laughs) And we would have had to have remediated a whole bunch of things in order to do that and sure could we have done it yes but not in 2 weeks that is just an unrealistic period of time it's like i have had so many of these sorts of like ridiculous things happen over the years i remember a, a hybrid event a hybrid migration or you know where which a lot of people would consider that like oh we got to migrate from exchange to office 365 and we have to do it in 2 weeks Okay, It isn't good, you know, it's not happening in two weeks. Let's just be real. Not for, you know, even 50 mailboxes. That's not going to be realistic to be done with appropriate levels of quality in two weeks. So, I mean, if you just want some sort of chaos on your hands and destruction, by all means, go ahead and rush it faster than that. So I've done about 15 hybrid migrations. And a hybrid migration is where you link the on-premise exchange with Office 365. And the reality is that 100% of those migrations had to be preceded by a whole massive remediation project. Because I've never seen a clean environment from an active directory, exchange, network, or a security perspective. It's always chaos. Every single time. And I mean, I've done 300 network rearchitecture projects. And at least over 200 of those were active directory remediation, many of which included exchange remediations as well. And there's just chaos everywhere. And the reason that the chaos exists primarily is because organizations have flawed decision-making processes. They don't have operational maturity. And as part of their flawed decision-making practices, they have no strategic plan. They think that they can just bid stuff out. And they also continue to make these failures of saying that they can delegate. So executive management likes to delegate to someone like their internal IT manager or just whoever is the internal IT point of contact who may not even be the IT manager. And, then they abdicate their involvement. So if, when executive management abdicates their involvement in the process, that is just the death knell. Like Nothing good comes from that at all. The days when executive management could just delegate to internal IT and then abdicate any involvement, those days are long, 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 long gone. Because every single thing that's happening in IT now, all the information systems there is risk associated with them. The risk has to be managed. The risk has to be mitigated or accepted. And usually you don't really want to accept the risk. (laughs) You either want to manage it somehow or you want to mitigate it. And in some cases you can eliminate it. Like if you say, for example, oh my gosh, we've got risk from a VPN that has no MFA. We'll stop using the VPN. Use a different approach. Uh, Because the VPN is not the only way to get that that level of functionality, nor is it the best way to do that level of functionality. So in some cases, you can actually eliminate the risk. Uh, I mean, look at all the old, ancient, deprecated software that's out there. You can eliminate the risk of that. Stop using the software. (laughs) Right? So this is hideously complex stuff. Please reach out if you want help with any of these things. This is literally what we do for a living is we drive operational maturity in the inside of organizations, and we do it through very deep and rich relationships with the executive management team plus internal IT stakeholders, and we will craft you a strategic plan, an engineering plan, a procurement policy, and a budget, and then we'll fix it all. But no, it can't be done for five bucks. And nor, nor can you assess the entire size of the matzo ball in the very beginning. You can make a good stab at looking at what is phase one, two, and three. And that might get you through the first year or two. But this is an ongoing process. It's a paradigm shift for organizations. An absolute paradigm shift where you have to really just start doing things in more of an operationally mature way, let us help you navigate that. Uh, Give us a call if you want. Uh, You can reach us at qpcsecurity.com.